Welcome to Baron's Faith Farm, the podcast where we discuss the following principles. Be a good citizen. Be good to yourself. Be good to your family. Be a giver rather than a taker. And do good wherever we go and sit. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, let me introduce your host, Rochpal, who we fondly refer to as the gardener. Once again, your host, Rajpal Singh Bedi, is at your disposal. I want to take this opportunity before I start my third podcast to wish all my listeners a happy, prosperous and peaceful new year. Let us all get together and be kind to one another and each other. Today is my third podcast being recorded in London, England, which is in the United Kingdom on a beautiful, crisp, cold Wednesday morning at or about 10.38 hours. The sun is peeping through the trees and when I look out of the window, I can see the greenery in England which is unrivaled and it is only to be believed if seen how beautiful it is. From where I'm recording this podcast, I can see very tall trees showing the branches which would very soon be laden with green leaves like a newly wedded bride and helping us to breathe fresh air but ask nothing in return. And that is what we all should be a giver of goodness and not a taker and give back nothing. This podcast is my humble submission and nothing in this podcast is intended to be libel or slander anyone. It is not preaching. It is not intended to force anyone to do anything if they do not wish to listen to or act upon it. However, I am humble enough to admit that if you find anything I can improve upon, elaborate upon, discuss or talk about, I would be most grateful to hear from you. If this podcast conversely upset you in any way, I seek your forgiveness. And if this podcast brings you some solace, some happiness, or you feel sympathy towards either me or others, I am most grateful and thank you from the bottom of my heart. I wish my listeners every happiness, good health, wealth, and prosperity. My last podcast was recorded on 31st December 23. I hope you enjoyed listening to it and benefited from it. I wish my British and European listeners a very good morning. And all listeners everywhere else, a very warm welcome. And thank you for listening to my humble submissions. Once again, it goes without saying that I must thank Chris, who's the main person helping me to record this podcast.
which I believe will become a historic document podcast for all to enjoy and benefit from. I remain indebted to one of my law lecturers who has helped me, inspired me to be what I am today, have encouraged me to do this podcast. He is an Englishman and he's my mentor, just like Chris. Please keep listening to this podcast because I'm carrying out a research into living a long and healthy lifestyle, which we will disseminate and practice at Barron's Faith Farm. And I believe I may have gathered sufficient knowledge and evidence why and how we can live longer and healthy lives. And I believe that we at Barron's Faith Farm may be able to achieve 100 birthdays for most of its residents as well as its visitors. I want to thank all those who are my regular listeners and hope to bring to all of them into my life's journey in the hope that my life journey may guide them so that they do not have to treat their lives as experiment. I said, and I repeat that our final aim is to establish Baron's Faith Farm for the people, by the people. Those people are you, the listeners. You should donate money to our registered charity directly so that you can benefit from a way of taxes. You can mention our charity in your will and you can encourage others to do the same. The details will be in the forthcoming podcast. You, the listeners, should choose the place where Baron's Faith Farm should be located. And if enough people decide on a place, the Faith Farm will be located wherever the listener, the people want. Happiness will be knocking at your doors no sooner you start those five principles which I've talked about and I will continue. I have been told and I have read that people have enjoyed listening to my podcast in Bahrain, India, San Francisco, Dehradun, and of course in several other parts as well as in UK. If any listener can assist us in guiding us, helping us to set up such a place, would welcome the help and the place will be named after that person and would make that person immortal. We shall practice listening and actually engaging in five core principles, which I strongly believe would bring us happiness and long life. Those five principles are the key to happiness. Be a good citizen of the country you live in. Be good to yourself. Be good to your family. Be a giver rather than a taker. Do good wherever you go and sit. The happiness lies in these five principles of our charity, which we are disseminating. I say this because we are all seeking happiness one way or the other. And we will continue doing that 
and we should spread this message among our friends, among our acquaintances, among our neighbors. Because when I carried out the research, I went, of course, metaphorically to Okinawa in Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Ikeria in Greece, Loma Linda in USA, Nicoya in Costa Rica, and some other parts of the world where people are living closer to 100 years plus without pain, drugs, and a very happy life. And it's all because togetherness, doing good to one another, which we shall practice in Baron's Faith Farm. We will not only seek, but we will grab the happiness and, so to speak, put in our pocket. But that can only come if we sincerely practice what I've said recently, a few seconds ago. I did not realize until recently that how my memory took me back into my birthplace because I had to prepare for this podcast. And I'll take you with me to that journey now. Soon after I was born, a partition took place, which is divided India into Pakistan and India. And the communal violence started when millions lost their lives, dignity, wealth, and health, and were thrown on the heap as discarded clothes. My family suffered from that partition. None of them who suffered took any part in any division, did not instigate it, and only the leaders who had their personal agenda ruined many lives while these leaders lived and remained safe behind closed doors and thousands of miles away in relative luxury. My parents told me that I was still a crawler when partition took place. And with all that evil things happened to people, they did to other humans. My father told me how how he risked his life trying to save me from bullets or having been abducted and brought up as a child with a different faith and name. He used to tease me when I would do anything for my mom and not for him. He used to say, you're Sophia Lorraine, referring to my mom. He went on to say that when I was a few months old, I was a very pretty baby. He said that I used to be dressed in black so that no one could put a bad spell on me. He used to say, my grandfather for mother's side was one of the richest commodity brokers in rice in Kamuki, which is in Pakistan. It is to date a rice market 
I checked with the Pakistan's trade minister yesterday on the 9th of January 24 that it is still so. My grandfather from my mother's side used to deal in shiploads of rice and all he had was four telephones. I've seen him in an office in India or where my maternal uncles came to live with a red, green, white and a black phone. He had a munshi, kind of clerk, with a red book, very long and the book would fold once and tie down with a red ribbon. Munshi had a nib style pen and an ink bottle. He took command of my grandfather who would say to him while still talking on the phone, get me red, green, white with his phone next to his ears. He used to smoke hookah, which is commonly known as shisha in nowadays terms. His hookah or shisha had everything silvery. It had a very long inhaling silver flexible pipe. At one corner, the base was put and was tended by his munshi. At the bottom was a vase. And the gurgling noises could be heard every time he took a puff. I'm told that at that time, even now, rich people inhale all types of materials to increase their immune systems. I've been told that my grandfather from my mother's side used to smoke via his hookah rolled in in small capsules, gold, silver, mercury, and even poison, and all of the types of these medicines, which would be mixed with the neat tobacco, put in the chilm, which is a pot sitting at the top with coal in it. It was the smoke of these items he would inhale, which had been filtered via water and then by a long, silvery, flexible pipe some distance away. Every time he finished taking the puff, Munshi would take the end of the pipe, which was pure silver, a long hose type of nozzle, and clean it with wet cloth, and then hook it on the side of the long neck and wait his hand gesture for the next puff. My grandfather sat on the floor on a raised wooden platform with cushion seating covered with white sheets and as a back support, a very long round kind of pillow, what we call takia, in a perfumed room. My last memory of him is in a corner office with a double door sitting on a floor with an oscillating ceiling fan, him gesturing for me to sit with him for a few minutes when he was speaking with others in a very high-pitched voice. The phones were connected to other market traders and had a very funny handle, which the Munshi would grind and then connected via some peculiar system to the other parts of the world or India. And Munshi would write down what was being said by my grandfather and prices in a peculiar language which we called Lande, and none could understand other than those two. My father told me that I had a sweet tooth, 
which I still do. My grandfather was known as Lalaji, which means rich man. Because of my sweet tooth, Lalaji used to send for me alone a sugar-coated puffed rice bag, which I used to sit in a corner and eat. He used to say if I was not about and couldn't find me, to, wanted to play with me, he knew where I would be hiding. He told me that I was still in nappies when partition took place and I had a giggle which was infectious. Being a police officer, my father did not think that he would be harmed during the partition. It was still British rule and the governments of the day do not encourage violence, but instead people go into revenge and tit for tat settlements. And that is what happened between Pakistan and India at the time of partition. When partition took place, people were promised safety, but humans cannot resist violence and listen more to gossips than understand the reality. Without thinking, they get excited and the anger takes over their thoughts. And before they know it, it is too late. My father tells me that those who were well-to-do were attacked and targeted first for their wealth and possessions, which those neighbors who knew that they have to leave, they gave their possession to the neighbors who are going to live in Pakistan of Muslim faith. Because only visible violence was perpetrated against Hindus and Sikhs, as they were visible targets. As he was a police commander, he was promised by other police officers of Muslim faith that none would touch his family. He felt assured. He lowered his guard. The petition was in full swing. Killings of humans were ever increasing and people had to decide whether to live in Pakistan or move to safety in a Punjabi-speaking part of India. The leaders who start wars are safe and secure and they don't care who dies or is killed. They do it for their ego. Behind closed doors, they do deals with others' lives and make money. They don't have an ounce of empathy. They only understand the pain if it happens to them, not otherwise. My father conceded that he was wrong in believing that he'll be safe in Pakistan with his family. People knew that he was from a wealthy family, had wealthy in-laws, and there was gold in this house where my father was, so our family was one of the targets. I was, at the time, a few months old and the youngest son in the family. During partition, he said that he was upstairs in the toilet. People had toilets at the roof level because houses have flat roofs. When someone fired at him, he being an officer in police, had been promised safety should he wish to leave Pakistan. He knew that the promise made would be false one.
he escaped and came downstairs and asked my mom to hurry up. By that time, your mama's maternal uncles by the name of Balbir and Sukhchan had all their trucks, about 20 of them ready, facing Punjab and the engines running. Police had agreed to escort our family, our clan, up to the borders of Amritsar in other trucks. My dad said were families of our uncles, aunts, grandfathers, and other necessary things such as buffaloes for their milk, our beautiful mare, which was my father's favorite horse from Saudi Arabia, given to my father by our rich uncles, their food, water, and servants for the whole clan. My father had two barrel, double barrel guns, two revolvers, sufficient ammunition to protect the family, in addition to police escort for the whole family up Amritsar. My two sisters, my two brothers, my mom, my mom grabbed a sewing machine so that she could stitch if there were no new clothes or needed to earn money to, to bring up the family and cooking utensils and other items. My father started counting heads and all of a sudden he told me, he asked, where was I? They all seemed confused. My father tells me, he told my mom, I am going to get him. I know where he might be. Mom, my mom says, I pleaded with your father, don't go. The guns are everywhere, bullets are flying, and people have got machetes and swords to kill others. I don't want you to go. She said, I can always have another son, but not another husband. Remarriage is not in our clan. He refused bluntly and said to my mom, I am not going to go without him, come what may. My uncles were getting very twitchy and worked up. And although they had bribed locals as well as the police who were with them, ready to escort them to Amritsar, but because my father was a very strict police officer, he had many enemies and the whole family was afraid of revenge killings. My father was like Patans. People who come from Afghanistan will know that. He was tall, strong, and fearless. He thought he was untouchable. By now, our grandfather and others were ready to go, and shouting started, saying that at the cost of a little spoiled child, the whole clan was at risk. My father knew where to find me. He told me that I was fast asleep with my hand full of sugar puffs. And as he grabbed me in his lap, although I was fast asleep, I won't let go of the bag of sweet sugar puffs. They all loaded up with me still asleep. And my mother now had me in her lap, still hungry and wanting my mom's milk. I remember between Ludhiana, which is in Punjab, and Pakistan, leaving nothing else in between. Because my mother was given a house 
in her dowry in Pakistan because my grandfather was very wealthy. We traveled to Ludhiana because there was one of our uncle's minister, the first home minister of Punjab, where our family was entitled to a temporary house in India arranged by our minister uncle. similar to the one she had owned in Pakistan. And we all, including my maternal uncles, grandfathers and others, started living in a huge house in a posh area next to a deputy commissioner's house who was our neighbor. I recall getting my first name at this place. In our clan, when we are born, a priest stands by and gives us a name which is considered a temporary name. A birth chart is made to count precisely the time and the date of birth to chart stars and moon. Then, when the child is about a year old, a ceremony is held in the presence of invited guests. And our religious scripture is opened and the first letter on the page is given to the audience, which is debated which name to choose from. The audience then decides amongst all to choose a suitable name according to the birth chart prepared by Hindu priest known as Pandits. Because my birth is fairly close to Nanak's birthday, my forefather, my name was chosen accordingly and a birth calendar was charted. In my next podcast, I will travel with you to the place where the Emperor Akbar, the last emperor of India who married a Hindu princess, was crowned and the place is called Kalanol, where my father was stationed as a police commander. My tonsils having been removed in Ludhiana's Miss Brown's hospital, my journey in a car with Punjab's first Home Minister, who was one of our uncles, his name was Lana Singh Wazir, who lived in a very posh house and died on stage whilst with heart attack while campaigning for an election on behalf of Congress party. Although he was Kohli, but was known as Wazir, which means minister, and not Kohli Sahib, which means sir. My almost death experience was due to pneumonia because my beloved calf died. Until then, I wish all my listeners who have spent 20 or so of their precious minutes on my journey thus far, which I have narrated as best and as honestly as I can remember. Please accept my heartfelt gratitude. And thank you again for being so kind to me. I wish all of you a very good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us to ensure you are notified of future episodes. Once again, thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by CSP Media.